Hey friends, welcome to the Axiom Church Podcast. We're so glad you decided to join us and check out our episode. Um, this is a space where we post our, our Sunday sermons and occasionally we have discussions and conversations regarding life in this community and following Jesus. So thank you for listening and please engage us on our website axiomchurchaz.com or on any of our social medias. We'd love to hear from you. Take care. All right. May the peace of Christ be with you. Thank you. Welcome again to Axiom Church. My name is Gavin and uh, I pastor here along with a few others, but there are many leaders here, many folks here. Our desire is that you guys would always have a chance to connect with one another. It's one of the reasons why we do our passing of the peace, because embedded in our spirituality is this understanding of fellowship, koinonia. It's an understanding of the being together component of God's vision for our world. Believe it or not, he didn't create us just to like live in solitude all the time. Some of you are very good at that, though. Some of you are experts at isolation, but it's not healthy. It's not good for you. There are moments for that, and even biblically, we would say that we're invited and called to that in spaces. But even solitude is a relational practice. Solitude is where we actually learn that we're never alone, that God is with us. And so this season, we've been talking about this idea of a relational spirituality, which is at the core of our confession. So when I talk about theology, I'm talking about how we know God. And what we are saying here at Axiom is that the way that you know God is not by reading all the books, but it's by having a relationship with Him. It's that simple. It doesn't mean you don't read the book or the books. But we prioritize the image and picture that the scriptures point us to. It doesn't point us to facts about God. It points us to an interactive life with God. And so a relational spirituality is, 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 is embedded. It's woven into everything that we do here with him. And so we've been talking about this the last few weeks Uh, working our way kind of through it piece by piece. And and today I want to talk about kind of at the foundation of this idea is the image of God itself. But before we do that, I wanted to share something. This week was a busy week for me. It was a birthday week at my house. My son Miller turned six on Thursday and I turned older than that on Tuesday. And so it was birthday week at my house. And on Tuesday morning, I woke up and I kind of, you know how you wake up on your birthday, it hasn't clicked yet that it's your birthday. And I'm brushing my teeth, I'm, 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 I'm getting ready for the day. And my son walks up to me and he, he's, can you guys see that? He tries, he, he gives me this little car. I was like, hey, hey, hold on, man, I'm brushing my teeth, hold on. He goes, no, daddy, daddy, happy birthday. And I want you to, and I was like, oh, yeah, it's my birthday. And he looks at me, you know, says, I want you to have this. And every time, this is what he says at six. Daddy, every time you see this, I want you to think of me and pray for me. That's what my six-year-old said. I'm winning, by the way. And I was like, man, he, he gave me an image. 
he gave me a picture. He gave me a, a, a cognitive reminder. He's populated my cognitive landscape now with trucks and prayer for, for, Emerson, or for Miller. And, and, and how wonderful is that? And so, and he wanted me to keep it next to uh, the, the sink because he knew that I'd be there every day and he knew that I would think of him. And I love that. I've never thought so highly of a Hot Wheel in, in, my, in my life. But, but it's an image. And, and God gives us an image also to be reminded of him. But the image in picture that he gives us is, is like not maybe what you would think because you could describe God and talk about how strong he is or powerful he is or, or beautiful or magnificent or sovereign or all these things. And that would all be true about the image of God. But the image that he gives us is a relationship with his son. It's a relationship with his son where the fullness of God's likeness was pleased to dwell. But you don't get to know that image just by reading the book. You get to know that image by entering into communion with that God. And so we w I want to talk about this because I, th I think it's so crucial that we start to untangle the relationship that we, ha that we typically have so that we can begin to enter into the interactive relationship that we are invited to have. And, and we know that images are important. We know that I, I identity is important. Think about the images that shape you and give you meaning and purpose. Maybe it's uh, the name that you carry, or maybe it's a flag that you have hung up, or maybe it's that, that, that you, want, you grew up chasing this image of being a baseball player, and that formed your youth. But we carry images and pictures and symbols with us because they have an impact on us. But again, the image that God gives us is not a thing or even a thing we do. It's a relationship that we have. And so our image of self and our image of God really matter when we're talking about spirituality or how you connect with God. So uh, think about it. Uh, the image that you have of God, if it, guess what? It affects the relationship you have with God. The image you have of God affects the relationship that you have with God. So if God is a judge, what kind of relationship, how might that inform the relational dynamic of your relationship? Or if, if God is just a wise teacher, or if God is like Jeff's shirt back there with a the hippie Jesus giving the wink, how might that affect your thank you how might that affect your relationship with god maybe he's like a boss maybe he's like a parent what is the image because the image i have of god affects the relationship that we share so in genesis we read and, and this won't be surprised to you we even know it christian or not you've heard this before that god said let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. Now, I want to just hang on that for a second because I want us to, to make sure that we're seeing the dynamic here, that not just the structure of the sentence or the, the intention of the, the phrase, 
But the dynamic is that there is a principled pluralism taking place in the image of mankind because of the image of God. Let us, that's people, make mankind in our, plural, image, in our likeness. A relational dynamic is at play here. That we are being formed into the oneness and likeness of God, Father, Son, and Spirit. That the image that God is giving us, that Genesis is giving us right from the beginning, is one that incorporates a relational function between the Trinity itself. That God, the Father, Son, and Spirit live in relationship with one another. And that oneness that they share is the very thing that we are imaged after. We are created for. This is why Jesus can say in John, if you have seen the Father, you have seen me. Because they share an image. And then in, in verse 27, so, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. So, so we too, as men and women, have a relational identity in correlation with the image of God. We reflect God in relationship, not in isolation. It doesn't say that, that uh, boys carry the image of God. It doesn't say it like that. Or girls carry a relationship with God. What it is telling us is that there is a principled pluralism at play here that the, to experience the diversity of who God is, there's a relational dynamic that has to be understood. We reflect God in relationship, not in isolation. And you can see that, and we actually know that, because in our own lives, when you are in seasons of isolation, you lose yourself. You lose your image. You lose your relationships. That's what happens. Because you were created in the likeness, the relational likeness of God. So, again, we can't simply say you are the image of God simply because you're human. No, we say instead you reflect the image of God as far as you are in relationship with God. That's an important distinction that we need to understand. And classically, and people wrestle with this theologically, but classically, Augustine and so many argue for this dynamic inter understanding of God's image. That you are, not, you are the image of God not simply because you're human, but instead you reflect the image of God as far as you are in right relationship with Him. So, what I'm saying is, you cannot access the likeness of God without being in relationship with God. It's that simple. You can't reflect, you can't reflect the image of God without being in relationship with God. You can reflect being human. You can reflect being a person, and that has some shared attributes. But to take on the image of God is to enter into a deep and personal relationship with God. Because guess what happens in relationship? You get transformed. You get changed. 
So we need to think about this. You could know everything about God and still not reflect Him at all. And again, I think we know that. We've experienced that. We've rubbed shoulders with that. It's like, boy, this person knows quite a bit about God, but for some reason, they don't feel like God. They don't seem like God. They don't act like God. They don't carry the personality of God. They might preach good Bible, but they don't reflect good Jesus. But now we have to think about that for ourselves. Because what that means then is that you reflect God as far as you have a relationship with God. It's not what you know about God. It's what you know with God. Together. The degree to which we reflect the image of God directly correlates to the degree in which we share a relationship with God. Not to the degree to what we know about Him. We must become His beloved. We have to enter into the koinonia, the fellowship, the image, the trinity. What makes you look like God is your relationship with Him. Uh, how many of you are married? Handful of you? Good, good. Did you know that in your older age, the two of you will look exactly the same? <laughs> You'll start sounding the same too. Start having the same problems, same schedule. I mean, it's just what relationship does. Relationship forms you, shapes you, changes you. You spend enough time with someone, you're going to begin to look like them and them like you. So guess what? As you enter into communion with God, you are going to begin to take on the characteristics and image of God. That's just real. But so much of our Christian tradition is, is captured in the study of God instead of the life of God. But the study always points to the life. That's where the real has to happen, has to take place, the oneness. And you can tell when a couple is no longer one, too, right? You can see it. You can feel it. They don't spend real time together. They don't know how to become like the other. They lose the relational paradigm that's intrinsic to fulfillment, to image-bearing. Because that, too, our marriages, is a place that reflects and points to who God is. <clears throat> now, again, you're created in His image, but notice that we lose the image when we lose the relationship. That's what happens to Adam and Eve. That's what happens. It's not, it's not, their image goes because the relationship goes. And that's why the Christian walk is one of being conformed back into the image of Christ. I mean, notice that? You're created in the image of God, and then you enter into a relationship with Jesus, and then you're 
transformed back into a relationship with God. So something happens in between. The relationship is absent, ruptured, broken. And as we press back into that, we are restored. Colossians picks this up a little bit. I use this text. Um, there are others. Chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. Do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge. And this word here is really the, the, the intimacy in the image of its creator. There's a knowing. It's not just a knowing about. It's a knowing with. Here, in this place of the new person created in the relationship, there is no Gentile. We're talking about identity. Or Jew, or circumcised, or uncircumcised, or barbarian, or Scythian, or slave, or free, or, or American, or religious, whatever, or you name it. But there is only now Christ in all and is in all. As you take on a deepening, intimate relationship with Jesus, Christ is all-consuming. The image of God has its way in you. That's the transformation. Relational spirituality. We see God's image more clearly. Renewed as far as we relate rightly to God. Relationship is power. As you get to know someone, it changes who you are. Think about that power. That every person you've let in, has, has you, when you let them in, and the reason why you were slow to let them in or quick to let them in was because you knew intuitively that they were going to change you. That person is going to affect who you are. That's the nature of it, and we know it deep down through repeat encounter and experience. Think about it. I, how many of you daydream in the middle of the summer about moving away from Arizona? <laughs> Most of you. Why don't you move away? Because of the relationships that you have here. That's why you don't move away. Because, that, yeah. where are we going, Ross? You know, relationship is power, and, but it's not just that. We, we need relationship in order to see ourselves. You cannot see yourself outside of relationship. This comes back to the image of God piece. You need people, and hopefully you have people that have entered into deep union with God because they're the best kind of people to help you become you with God. In the same way that we need a mother and father in infant, infancy, we, we, we're created to connect. So our, our growing edge is to say, Jesus now that we have a relationship, what do you see in me that I can't see in myself? 
You see how the relationship has the power to help us with that. That now I have the foundation with Christ to allow him to build on who I am and what I am. Because you can't see it without him. I, but, okay, how, like, and we know that again, because how, how did you see yourself without him? What's the narrative that we are so tempted to always tell ourselves? What's the, what's the voices that we continue to rehearse in our head about us that's, that's not true? That when, when Christ comes around and he says, hey, that's not it. That's not who you are. That's not what you were created for. Friend, I encourage you to enter into the image that I have of you. Oh, my beloved. My beloved. In whom I am well pleased. That's the space of, of the growing edge, the, the change, the, the shift, is the loving observation of God and, and seeing it. Guys, try arguing with God on that. We hang on to the who we are statements based on what we think others think of us. But if we enter into actual relationship with people, what we're going to find is what they think of us is quite different. And the same is true with God. So many of us are scared of God because, oh, I'm going to get struck by lightning when I come in. See, their image of God is some angry tyrant in the sky with like a robe on and a lightning bolt. That's kind of a cool image. But as you get to know him, that's not the image that's going to emerge. Think about the woman at the well. Who, what was her image of self before she encountered Jesus? Think about Zacchaeus up on the tree. What was his image of God before Jesus said, hey, in front of everybody who despised him, I'm coming to your house today. I want to be in relationship with you. And on that day, it says he was transformed. John of the Cross says, since God is love, God can only be known through love. John in the scriptures, 1 John 4, whoever does not love, or whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. If you don't love, it's because you don't have a relationship with God. The relationship that we have with God embeds in us love for self, God, and others. This is why I, like, you want to get to the greatest of all commandments. The Lord your God and your neighbor. It starts with a relationship with God. You can't do it without that. You just can't. This is not a scary verse. Because what this verse means is that as we have a relationship with Jesus and experience his love, we're just an overflowing well of who God is. Guys, that's who you will become as you incrementally encounter Jesus and trust him in your everything and every day. You're, you're going to be different. You're going to be way kinder. You're not going to honk your horn when people cut you off anymore. You're just going to smile and wave. 
because you won't be able to help but love everything and everyone. That's what God does. Is he transforms us in that way because we're transformed by the relationships we have. I know I'm transformed by the relationships I have. And you know what else this says to me? It says that my son wants to be loved too. Amen. He wants his Abba, his daddy, to think about him every day, to never forget about him. Thanks, bud. And we have an Abba that never forgets about us. Heavenly Father, help us as we come to you in this relationship that you've invited us into. May we be excited to enter into it, even if we don't have it all figured out or all the bells sorted out. God, just help us to trust that next step, whatever it is. Help us to see it and to take it. And may we not take it alone. I know that's scary. Intimacy is so scary. And so, Lord, may your spirit empower us.